This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. We are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. And every Wednesday, Barry, where are we available? You can find us on Dash Radio. Download the app. Go to the Nothing But Net channel at 11 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday to hear yours truly and my buddy Axe doing the Hard Nick's Life show. Living the Hard Nick's Life. This is season two. Episode 17. On this, it's a Hard Nick's Life. What the fuck has Fizz been doing with these starting lineups? What has he been doing with these rotations? How is he divvying up these minutes? Where are all the Knicks fans complaining about Knox? I mean, all of a sudden with him, they have all this patience in the world, but everybody else they kill on a day-to-day basis. Playing like shit. I'm sorry. Somebody's got to say it. It's amazing. Like, Trey really has had three great games. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about these two fucking buckets from Fred. (laughs) (laughs) Moutier is coming out with these moves that I'm like, who is this guy? I don't have a problem looking at Cornette a little bit. <laughs> yeah, looking you know, at him a little bit. But, he doesn't need to fucking start. Yeah, it, it makes Fisdale sound like a second grade school teacher that's trying to give equal time and you know equal play to every kid in the class. Otherwise, the parents going to complain. Well, we are hoping to have a guest tonight. It's now eleven twenty-three in the evening. Would you say at this point that this guest is not coming on? I would say at this point this guest is not coming on tonight. Dude, you're not going to believe it. What? Our mystery guest is DMing me right now. Are they ready to go now? I just got the phone number to call. For right now? For right now. Oh! Let's do (laughs) it! Oh, no. What up, Barry D? What up, Axe? What's going on? It's been a couple weeks. How have you been? I've been well. Thanksgiving is uh, right here. So oh. happy Thanksgiving. Any big plans? I always have so much crap to do leading up to Thanksgiving because we host it at my house every year. Every year you host it? Yeah, every year. I don't know how we got it. What's wrong with it? the rest of your family? They're lazy? I, I, you know what happens? You do it a couple times in a row and then it's like your thing and it's become our thing. So we host it every year. So And my wife... For whatever reason, this year, she's like, you know, I'm really just not into it. So if we're still having it here, you got to do everything. So, so I'm, I'm, you know, she's usually one that prepares the turkey and, you know, you know, figures everything out. And uh, so it's all on me this year. So I've got, you know, I'm off Wednesday. So I've got that whole day to prepare going into Thursday. So, and so then who's, who's come into the house, her family or your it's family? It's not or both? crazy. So her, all of her family's out of town and once in a while they'll make the trip up, but this year they're not. So it's just, um, my sister and her family and my parents are coming up from down South. So, uh, fairly. So small, the real like reason 10, is maybe that people. it's, she's like, it's your fucking family. You cook. No, it's not. It's no. not that she's just, you know, she's had enough, but you know, I realize you know, Thanksgiving's, I can't believe it's here already. And then, you know, it goes right into the holidays and 
every year on Thanksgiving Eve, you know, I don't think you do this, but we do um, Elf on the Shelf at my house. Hmm. So yeah, I just no realized, Elf on the Shelf at my house. Uh, so I just realized I got to start with that bullshit every night. It's like such a responsibility that I have to like remember after the kids go to bed. At some point before I go to bed, I got to move this stupid Elf. What is and that Elf like, on a Shelf? It's it's this. It comes with a book, and it's this little doll that you know is an Elf. And every morning, it's supposed to be in a different location. And the idea is that every day the elf is watching the kids, making sure that they're behaving. And it goes back at night. It flies to the North Pole, and it tells Santa Claus if you've been a good boy um, or girl or a bad boy or girl <laughs> so that he knows if you're on the good list or the naughty list for Christmas. And how, morning, how many days does this go on? This goes on from Thanksgiving Eve, you know, or, or the day after Thanksgiving all the way to Christmas. So I always have to remember to move the stupid thing. You know, and the kids wake up and like they're looking around the house. They're trying to find it. And it's, you know, always in a different location. And only but you're it, allowed to move it? It's Again, it's my job. My wife doesn't want to be bothered. She, you know, even with the first time we got it, she said, if you're going to buy that thing, then it, you're in charge. It's my responsibility. But again, it's a responsibility that as an adult... I don't need another responsibility like this to have. I have enough responsibilities with paying the bills and doing stuff around the house. Like I need this. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing with like the tooth fairy, even though that doesn't come around all the time. A month right. ago, my son lost a tooth and he kept putting it under his pillow and I kept forgetting to put money under his pillow. And first of all, <laughs> his friends, I don't know about you, his friends these days are getting like five bucks or 10 bucks for a, for a, um, for, for a tooth, mm. for losing a tooth. For my me, kids it was haven't always a lost dollar. any teeth yet, so yeah. Well, back to the in elf my on the house, shelf, dude. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold so on. So in get... my house, it's a dollar, and that's it. But I kept forgetting to do it last week, so it's I had to keep bastard. coming up with excuses. But I had to keep coming up with excuses why the tooth fairy didn't show up. <laughs> and then eventually, like we said, well, maybe it's because you put it in a Ziploc bag, and the you know the tooth fairy can't get it into a Ziploc <laughs> bag. So finally, like ten days later, I remembered to do it, and I felt bad, so I left ten bucks because I felt like the tooth fairy probably would have felt bad. <laughs> this it. was your and, son? Yeah, this was my is he son. Was he excited about the 10 bucks? Uh, yeah, he was pretty excited about the 10 bucks, but he was probably like so anxious for the 10 days leading up to it that the tooth fairy didn't care about him. And it's the stupidest right. thing that we even have a tooth fairy because you don't deserve money for losing a tooth. The shit's going to fall out of your mouth anyway. Every morning when he would check his, under his pillow, would he cry there was no money? He wouldn't cry, but he definitely looked disappointed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I don't oh, know what's going no. on, you know? <laughs> But What's it's, wrong it's with my teeth? The, the ridiculous thing. We, we, what we should have is a vegetable fairy or something that makes sense. Something where, you know, the kids actually do something to earn the money. You know, that I could go for and I could a support. A vegetable but, fairy. Yeah, well, a tooth fairy is ridiculous. Like, they're not, they're not, why are they getting money for teeth that are just going to fall out of their mouth anyway? But how about you? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? That doesn't matter. Eating. Going somewhere and eating. That's what it's about, right? It's, it's really about all giving it's thanks, about but... <laughs> going to my aunt and uncle's, right? It is about giving thanks a little bit, which as a Knicks fans, we don't have that much to be thankful for. But we do this little thing every year, not every year, but with my cousin, my brother and I like to weigh ourselves before the Thanksgiving meal and see who can put on the most pounds after the Thanksgiving meal. Oh, that makes it interesting, I guess. Just for bragging rights. I don't know if we'll do that this year, but uh, we'll see. Are there, are there ever big numbers? Like five. There's been like five pounds. But, wow. Uh, That's cool. Nah, not really. It's no <laughs> elf on a shelf. So, Barry, let's talk Knicks. Let's talk Knicks, man. Dude, 
just when I was about to come on here tonight and go nuts about these past few games, right? We can't win. And we can't just not win. We've been getting slaughtered. It's been horrible to watch. We've looked awful. I want to come on here and go nuts about what the fuck has Fizz been doing with these starting lineups? What has he been doing with these rotations? How is he divvying up these minutes? Guys are starting one game. They're out the next. Guys are in the rotation one game. And then they're totally out for a few games, right? Trey's been out for a couple games. Now he's back in, in a big way. (laughs) Dotson was fucking starting. And now all of a sudden he's... Is he even on the bench? I don't know. (laughs) Right? What's up with Knox? What the fuck has been going on with him? And then before this game against Portland, dude, it comes out that the Knicks starting lineup is Moutier, Hardaway, Hazonia, Vonley, and Cantor's back in the starting lineup after all the dots and periods he's been tweeting out. (laughs) And then... Dude, we hang with the best team in the West for an entire game, wire to wire. And we actually played, dare I say it, well, Barry. We played a well-rounded game. We actually, dude, we had like more than seven or eight assists in the whole game for the whole team. 22 assists. We did lose our sixth straight game, but for the first time in feels like a month, dude, we actually had a good game in a loss. So I can't rant and rave anymore as much as I wanted to. How are you feeling after this loss? I mean, this is what it's come to, right? We're, we're going to talk about how great it was that we lost, but just hung in there. That's how bad it's been. Ah, oh, it was a good game tonight, though. It was a good game against Portland. Great game. Uh, was, yeah, I mean, close down the stretch. Uh, and, you know, you were right there the whole time. But, you know, just those last minute and a half, you're down two possessions all the time. Vonley couldn't hit those two free throws. He missed four in those final few minutes. Can, can, can we talk about Tim Hardaway first and foremost? What do you want to talk can about? Can we acknowledge he, the how fact good he's been? how good he's been, the career year that he is having? I mean, he's putting up – he's creating career numbers for himself all the time. They, they just showed – a stat before this game, how it was the first time in his career he had back-to-back 30-point games, and then he got another 30 points tonight. Yep. I mean, three, three in a row. Three 30-point games in a row. His game has improved so much in that he gets himself to the line. He makes the free throws when he gets to the line. He's become such a smarter player. And, I mean, I know a lot of Knicks fans out there don't like him with the contract that's attached to him, but... I mean, you got to give it to him that how he elevated his game. And come on, this isn't just five games we've seen. It's not 10 games we've seen. It's not 14 games we've seen. You know, we're, we're well into the season, 18 games in, right? And he's just been consistently at another level and really has stepped up as a leader to this team. And I loving, I'm loving what I see. Yeah, he's raised the level of his game, dude. Every game he's shooting like right around 50%. Right, tonight against Portland, 10 for 21. 32 points, five boards, four assists, a steal, just two turnovers. He was a plus 10 on the night. And I think they even said it in the game, you know, very late in the game. I think it was in the final minute. Knicks were down four, right? right. And he had the ball at the three point line. And old Timmy, and he even did it tonight a little bit, but you can live yeah. with it when he's yeah, playing so well. Shots. He takes these, he forced, sure. chucks these shots from like 
way beyond the arc, which is not his strong suit, right? So he had the ball down four in that final minute. He thought he was going to chuck up a three because that's what Timmy does. But he drove to the lane and almost dunked it for an and one. Just pops out, goes to the line, hits a couple free throws. But, uh, you know, they said that that moment, that's the evolution of his game. He's definitely evolving as a player. He's reached his peak value right now, which makes me sometimes wonder, should we be thinking about trading the dude? I know, that's what happens, right? Um, Because it's like, is he going to sustain this for the whole year? Or is he going to all of a sudden go down with an injury? Is he going to fall back into his old ways? He's playing great. He's playing great. And I mean, again, this season is a garbage season, you know, um, aside from obviously what you want out of it, which is, you know, development of the players, right? But next year, you don't know what it's going to be because you don't know who that added element, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get the big guy, um, you know, coming onto our team. And it puts us in playoff contention. And when you have a team in playoff contention, I, I want Tim Hardaway on my team. He's another lethal guy that can shoot the three. And if you add other three-point shooters around him, I mean, that's what this, obviously that's what this league has become. And that's what you need to be a successful team, to put up the points, to beat your competitor. And I, I, I love what I see from Timmy. And I think he can be a part of this team going forward. He's not one of these pieces like a Cantor that, you know, that you got to move. Um, or like a Burke where, you know, you know, you feel like he may not fit you know, on this team and, and it's going to do better for you, maybe getting an asset for him moving to another team. Tim Hardaway is a piece that can be a core to this team to round out your future. Yeah, he definitely can be. And it's so funny how the league works and it's specifically Knicks fans work. Like for Knicks fans, it's all about first impressions, it seems, right? We gave Timmy that huge contract and everyone hated it, hated it. So now, even though Timmy's having this career year, what's he averaging? Do you have your notebook out? 24 and a half points. Is that after tonight's game? After tonight's game, 24.4 points per game. You sure that was updated? Yeah, 17 games. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, 18 games. Game. No, no, but he didn't play a game. All right. Okay, so so it's funny how, the, how like Knicks fans' minds work because he is having this career year, right? He still has that big contract, I think 17 million a year. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah, 17 or 18. But it seems like no matter what he does, Knicks fans will never be happy and will always want to trade him. Right? But you look around the league, like, look at Gordon Hayward on the Celtics, dude. Are people complaining about that contract? That dude's averaging 13 points a game this year and five boards, you know? Yet, here we are still complaining about Timmy. And, dude, he's putting up great numbers all around. He's not just a scorer anymore. So it's just interesting. And like, I always think about that with like Frank Nilakina and Kevin Knox, right? Like Frank had a, had a rookie year where he looked very offensively challenged and everyone assumed he was drafted because he played the triangle. And now like, no matter what Frank does, even though he's struggling right now, no matter what he does, people like have a bit, a lot of Knicks fans seem like they'll never give him a chance and he'll always suck. And Kevin Knox, even though he's awful right now, he had that great first impression in Summer League, and it's like people always give him the benefit of the doubt. Everyone just gets stuck on their first impressions, I feel. And Timmy might be one of those guys that we sort of have to adjust our impressions of him because he really is playing well. He's, I mean, he's maybe becoming a 
a star, not a star. He's not becoming a star. If he keep if hey, look, if he plays out the rest of the season like he's been starting the season this year, then he is a star. You know, or at least this year he will be. Right. I mean, I have to adjust my impression of him because I refuse to admit that maybe he's becoming a star. But he is at almost averaging 25 a game. Yeah, well, he would go last season. We would see this once in a while, right? And then there would be like three or four games where there was a lull. And then last season, he had that long slump, which I think lasted, you know, three or four weeks. But but in all the rest of the season, there would be like three or four games where he had a little lull. And then he'd have that big game and then another lull. I mean, he's just been super consistent and uh, just a really high-quality player. Yeah, we'll have to see. You know, he's got to do this over not just 18 games. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to do it over the entire season. Sure. Or two seasons before everyone starts to say, oh, he's uh, he's a great player. <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're not even a quarter of the way through the season, but we'll see yeah. as the season moves on. But he's been awesome. So he had his third straight 30-point game. How many 30-point games is that for him on the season so far? Uh, I'd be guessing if I said. Oh, I mean, I come like on. He had, the notebook like fails least, you. <laughs> I feel like he had at least three other ones, no? Okay, well, you're just guessing, so it doesn't matter. Right. My guesses are usually spot on. Fix that notebook. <laughs> that that new line, that, that new starting lineup, which I guess we'll be forced to watch for the next, like, five or six games. Probably. Although, how, how great is it? Fizdale's like, hey, Mario, come over here. We're going to start you tonight. We're going to play you below your uh, average minutes per game, but you're going to start tonight. He played 17 <laughs> minutes tonight. Right, and Fizdale's, what do you think of Fizdale's reasoning for changing up that lineup? Because because Knox and guys like Knox and Robinson, these young guys are getting into foul trouble early, and then it's mess, it's messing up the whole flow for everybody. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I could see that with um, Cantor going in for Robinson, because, yeah, I mean, why start Robinson if he's going to pick up two or three fouls super early anyway and head to the bench? So I could see that. You know, it comes down to minutes, right? So if you're going to, you know, give these guys the minutes, does it really matter who's starting, not starting? I mean, obviously you want to balance on the court. You want to put guys in position to, you know, to put themselves in position to compete, right? And you're going to look at who they're playing against. Um, This was a good matchup for Canner tonight, so I didn't have a problem with him going back into the starting lineup. Right, yeah, actually, I mean, you've noticed Robinson the past few games, especially like against Anthony Davis. And then against, what was it, Aaron Gordon of Orlando. He sort of gets like, he's all excited to start the games and he's playing real hard Steven Adams, dude. That game against Oklahoma City. (laughs) They just had his way. He did whatever he wanted that game to both of them. Robinson Canner, he just did whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, so I actually think that Robinson benefited from coming off the bench. So maybe that was the right move for now. Yeah, Yeah, he's got to get better. I mean, his hands have to get better, you know, whenever those guys drive the line. And I'm not talking about lobbing it up to him because he'll go up and he'll grab, you know, nine out of ten of those. But I'm talking about when they drop it low, he's just got to be ready for it and hold on to it. The ball always bounces off his hands and he's got to try to recover it. He'll figure it out, Barry. Yeah. So we had 35.7 assists in that first quarter with that new starting lineup starting early. And then in the second quarter, to start the second quarter, Barry. And this almost made it worthwhile having to suffer through just the general idea of that original starting lineup for the game against Portland. We got to see the young guys all playing together to start the second quarter. We had Frank, Trey, Trier, Knox, and Robinson. And I thought they played really well together. And that was a lot of fun to see them all playing together. Yeah. 
You know, it's just in the second quarter, not, no pressure, not starting the game or anything. They all right. seemed to play well together. They did. They did. They totally did. They, uh, there was that one play where Robinson blocked, I forget who it was on Portland, and then Trey ran down on the break, fed Knox for Knox's, was that Knox's only point? <laughs> only points. <laughs> yes, his, for his only bucket of the night. Knox played 13 minutes, two points, one rebound, one block. One for three from the field. What's going on with Kevin Knox? I don't know. But, I mean, if you're going to ask me if I had any concerns with this team early, early concerns, you know, concerns with an asterisk where, yeah, I'm concerned, but I'm not going to overreact about it. Kevin Knox would be one of my concerns that I got to say, all right, you got to show me something. You know, you got to have at least a couple of games here and there, you know, maybe one game every every four games where you show me something, you know, where you put up – just like some type of mini breakout game. And I mean, unfortunately, it's just not there, you know? And I, I can't look at Summer League because we know that the competition is a third, if not less, of what it is, you know, in the in these in the regular season. It's just um you know, it's it's a disappointment is what it is. Of the three Knicks rookies, he's by far the most disappointing, right? And uh, and coming yeah. in, you thought he people thought he was going to be the rookie of the year. That's right. The, I mean, the way he was talking, <laughs> you know, he was pretty uh, much guaranteed a starting spot in the Knicks starting lineup. And the dude is playing like thirteen played thirteen minutes tonight. Yeah, took where three are all the shots. Knicks fans? Where are all the Knicks fans complaining about Knox? I mean, all of a sudden with him, they have all this patience in the world, but everybody else they kill on a day to day basis. Come on, how about some accountability for Kevin Knox? It's still basketball. I don't care if he's a rookie or not. You know, you're coming right. off of a team in Kentucky. You know, you're the ninth pick in the draft. You know, you're you're boasting about how how you know it's a dream of yours to 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 become rookie of the year this season, and you're playing like shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Somebody's got to say it. Yeah. So, for instance, like tonight, I think Walt Frazier and Breen. Uh, Frank had like a couple nice buckets in a row. He was qu quiet off. He played pretty well defensively against McCollum late in the game, but offensively he was pretty quiet, but then he had a couple nice buckets. And before I even go into this Frank thing, Trey played great tonight for all the Trey fans, right? Hey, get ever that, since Trey get that came out, out of the way. <laughs> ever since Trey Burke came out and said that he's going back to the way he was because it's the best chance to give his team to win, he's had three great games in a row. Three great games. All right, now, now, now let's talk about Frank. Okay. Right? That's enough. <laughs> That's enough on Trey. He has had played three. He has played three great games. That right? the the efficient Trey Burke that we like, you know. Yeah. So still yeah, not. So let's move. Still on. not a part of the Knicks' future, so we won't <laughs> spend that much time on him. <laughs> but for, <laughs> it's amazing. Like Trey really has had three great games. Totally. <laughs> and I'm gonna totally. talk about these two fucking buckets from Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Frank had that like. Euro step thing and then a nice like crossover <laughs> and mid range shot. It's so funny. And uh, Frazier was like, of course, they're like, you know, they start talking about how he needs to be more selfish. Frazier's like, that's his problem. He's not selfish enough. He took seven fucking shots today. Knox took three. Nobody's, where's Frazier and Breen bitching about Knox? Knox just gets every benefit of the doubt every single night. I don't get it. It, it, like we we tear Frank, they well not we, people tear Frank night after night. Dude's pretty much the same age as Knox. Yeah, you know who else played good again tonight? Vonley. Uh, no, oh, oh, yeah, I wasn't gonna say Vonley. Moutier. Though. 
We'll talk Moutier. about that. Moody is coming out with these moves that I'm like, who is this guy? I mean, this is another one that must have worked out of the talking about a Euro step. He had one Euro step through the lane that I mean, I didn't know his body could move like that. And his shot has improved. I mean, his his numbers tonight he was six for nine from the field with sixteen points, two for four from three. I mean, he had a great game. He had four assists tonight as well. Uh, he's been playing terrific. Yeah, scary as it seems, he I think he's settling into that starting point guard role. <laughs> and it seems like Trey is settling into that backup point guard role, and Frank is settling into the, uh, you know, just a general guard, small forward, defensive role. Look, nobody's settling anywhere. That's right? that's what's happening right Fizdale now. Fisdale said 25 games in. <laughs> He's taking this time, so nobody's settling anywhere. Every, there's still a lot of moving pieces. There's still it's a lot okay, Moutier. All these guys are Moutier playing well is a good thing, dude. It, it no, it is. It is. He was six That's, for nine tonight, and he's finishing around the rim, which was always his biggest hurdle. Right? He yeah. could never. He could get to the bucket, but he would never finish. Right. Always right. end up on the court. That's the running joke for Moutier. Yeah. But his, in 24 his, minutes tonight, 16 points, four assists. That's a great night for 24 minutes. Totally, totally. He stepped up his game big time. And uh, as you were about to say, Noah Vonley, another a great game for him tonight. If it wasn't for those fucking four missed free throws at the end of the game, we could have possibly won the game. But other than that, yeah, 14 points, 14 boards against his former team. Vonley hits those two free throws. It brings you within two points with under a minute to go. It's a different story. You know, the whole outcome is different. You know, it's, it's a shame. He played 36 minutes, Vonley did. Yeah, 14 points, 14 boards, three steals, two assists, a block. He was good. In fact, I mean, he's he's had some games where he hasn't been great lately, but seemed to get his groove back. Yep. And who led the team in assists? Uh, I'm not going to say it because I can't stand him. <laughs> Ennis Cantor. With <laughs> oh, seven points and five rebounds. He did not have an Ennis Cantor-type <laughs> night. Yet six assists. That is not Ennis Cantor numbers. Your first night back in the starting lineup? I thought he was going to have like this killer game, like beating his chest, like I'm back, baby. Just like Hardnick's life is back. He's back. It was a positive night, even in a loss. Our sixth loss in a row. We're giving up a lot of points, Barry. A lot of points. Yeah, where's this defense? I mean, we came out of the gate like, like, wow, you know, defense is back in New York. You know, top-rated defense in the league. And then after, like, week one, it was like, <laughs> Who was saying the top-rated defense in the league? Was that the first few games? Well, we were definitely in the top half of the league. <laughs> the top half. <laughs> the first week. Right. Dude, we've given up... <laughs> 118 a night, 131 to the Magic, 129 to the Pelicans, 128 to the Thunder. We gave up 128 to the Raptors. Dude, these, this is out of control. I know the league is changing right now, and everyone is scoring. The scoring is way up across the board for everybody, but they've been giving up so many points for a team that Fisdale and Perry and Mills have said that our identity was going to be hard defense, right? Playing hard every night bringing defensive effort every night. Uh, is that what's going on right now? No. No, no not seeing it. <laughs> no, and, and like, I mean, that the lineup that was put out tonight to start the game, that's, that's a no-defense lineup. None. Zero. Nobody plays defense on that lineup. Score was 35-33 after one. I'm just confused. I know we played well tonight, but the last, like, 
several games. Fisdale is driving me a little nuts with these lineup changes and the minutes, right? And the fact that Dotson didn't even play against the Blazers and he brings a lot of these things that we've been saying were going to be part of our identity, the defense. He's a good shooter. Why is Dotson, how is Hazonia getting minutes and starting tonight and Dotson's not even getting in the game? Well, so Zonia, I know he was a little sick or a little ill, but he didn't play the last couple of games, so that's why he got back in the lineup tonight. You know, a guy, a guy here or there is going to take a night off. Dotson's played every game up to this point, you know, so so he sat out. No, tonight. that's not how the NBA works. Guys don't get nights off. Sure, they do. Not not like this. Not oh, young come- guys who don't need nights off. Just every, guys want to play every game if they can. Well, I'm, I'm not saying they don't want to, but coach guys like Dotson who get 19 somebody. minutes a game don't need nights off. He doesn't play that many minutes. I'm worried that Fizdale's trying to uh, please everybody right now and can't stop pleasing everybody. <laughs> Everyone's getting their chance to start. He even said, "I don't, I don't." Did you see this quote about Luke Cornett? No. Okay, so Mike Vorkanov tweeted this out two hours ago. David Fizdale said. I've given mostly everybody on the team except for Luke Cornett an opportunity to start, Fizdale said. So I'm going to have him so I'm gonna have to call him up and get him on there before it's over. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, he has to start everybody at some point. The dude's playing in the G League. He hasn't played a game for the Knicks uh, since like the beginning of the season. If he even did, do you know? I don't have a problem looking at Cornette a little bit. <laughs> yeah, looking you know? at him a little bit. But he doesn't need to fucking start. It, it makes Fisdale sound like a second-grade school teacher that's trying to give equal time and you know equal play to every kid in the class. Otherwise, the parents going to complain. You're right. No. It's not. It doesn't have to work out like that. It's not. You know. Everyone doesn't need their here. chances. Yeah, I, I've given everyone else a chance. I got to give Luke Cornette a chance to start. Yeah, who says that? No, you what don't. What kind of coach says that in a professional league? <laughs> everybody doesn't need to play every single night, right? We can decide who our 10 guys are. What is and... this, Little League? <laughs> no, everyone has. Everyone needs a chance to play, Barry. Everyone needs a chance to start. Oh you have no idea who's going to play every night. That makes watching these guys really hard, actually. I don't know who's going to start. I don't know who's going to play. Which team am I watching tonight? The young team? Am I watching fucking Cantor all night? Is Cantor going to suddenly get 40 minutes tonight? How can we look forward to the games every night? don't even know which Knicks team we're getting. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> What's going on out there, Barry? This is supposed to be a rebuilding year. I want to get excited about who's watching the young guys every night, and I don't know if those minutes are going to Hazonia or Dotson, if they're going to Cornette, or if they're going to fucking Ennis Cantor. We don't know. Night in and night out, it's a guessing game with Fizdale. And it's the one thing... I like a lot of what Fizdale does, but Fizdale's minutes and rotations are driving everybody crazy. I'm going to speak for everyone. They're driving us all nuts. Look, the same way that he's stated that he's holding the players to accountability, he probably wants to prove that he's holding himself to accountability. And he said from the get-go that he likes to see different rotations. He wants to take his time. He wants to take the first 25 games to shuffle things around, You know, play the same guys together a few games in a row here and there. And he wants to back up what he's been saying. All right? So if he wants to do that, let him do that. Again, I mean, it's not for a lost cause. After 25 games in, we still got, a, you know, three quarters of the season to go. You think he's really going to settle into a starting lineup within the first 25 games? I think There's he's going to settle into— seven more games until then. 
a starting lineup that's fairly consistent where probably four out of the five guys are going to be consistent and then he may you know bounce one guy in and out a little bit um, so let's but, take some, but let's, I'll tell you what he's yeah. not making it easy for himself because the more he does this he's going to get glimpses of Moutier having games like this of Trey Burke getting games like this whereas if you asked me a week and a half ago I would have said okay great Fizdale finally decided that Frank's going to be our starting point guard but now you know, we're getting glimpses of these other guys having great games. He is making it harder for himself. You know, I don't know what this team's going to look like, Craig. Yeah, so I what? Don't. Every every guy that he started has given us like a couple good games. And then some guys that have been coming off the bench. Trey's been giving us good games off the bench. Moutier's been playing pretty well lately, but has Trey been playing better off the bench lately than him? He's going to keep making judgments on the rest of the season based off of two or three games in a row? You can't. You can't, can't work like that. No. And that's all, like, with with the amount that he's juggling these lineups in minutes, like, that's all he's getting. He's getting just, like, three, four games in a row to make judgments on, guys. He's changing it up so much. Where it's not, uh, he, you can't make decisions like that. It's going to be, like, whatever's the latest thing he's done is what he's going to stick with. And Moutier was the, has been, like, the last guy he's tried out as a starting point guard. So that's probably what it's going to end up being, as long as Moutier plays decently in that role. This past week, Moutier has been playing very well, right? But again, I got to look at the whole the whole uh, the whole season. That, that it's a tough call for me, dude. It really is. I mean, it's still between Moutier and Nilakina for me at the point right now. Uh, but I feel like the more. The more starts Nilakina gets a point, it's going to be better for him. You know, I really do. And that's what this year is about, right? I'm not looking to pick up wins. I'm looking to put myself in a position where next year, all of my players are going to be in a better place than they are this year. And to get there, I need to give Frank the ball as much as I can. I mean, I'm I'm with you on the Frank thing. I'm not sure if he's deserving of the starting point guard job right now. Um, honestly, as much as of a Frank fan as I am, well, again, I think it's I mean, hard to argue deserve. that Trey you, you, and Moutier aren't a better point guard right now. But right? do you want to do you want to pick who deserves the starting point guard position? Or well, that's do you want the question. To pick who should be, because who should be and deserves are two different things. What the fuck is deserve? <laughs> what you want? A, you want a fucking cookie because you've been playing well for a shit team that's going nowhere. And there's a good chance you may not even be here next year? That's bonkers. What do you mean deserve? You should play the players that you want to develop. I mean, this is a development year. This isn't a year about racking up as many wins as you can. And I'm not talking about tanking because I'm not for that either. But I am for player development and I am for putting ourselves in a better position going into next season, which I do believe is a season that's going to mean something. So we can sit here all night and talk about, you know, look at the numbers and look about who deserves to get in that starting rotation, who proved themselves to be worthy of that starting rotation. Or we can look at it and say, who should get those minutes because they need those minutes, because this team needs those guys to have those minutes. Preach, Barry. I'm just let, I was just sitting back and letting you go. I'm with you, man. We need to find out this year what we have in everybody. 
we know what we have in Trey Burke, right? We know what we have in even Vonley at this point. We need to know what we have in Frank. Is he a point guard of the future or is he not? Are we going to draft a point guard this year or are we not? Is Frank the guy? We need to know for better or for worse. We need to put him in there and see what he can do. I don't want to go into next season still being like, well, Frank is great defensively. He just didn't play enough minutes at point guard last season, so we don't know if he can be a point guard. Are we going to draft Romeo Lankford, the point guard out of Indiana? Are we going to draft Zion or R.J. Barrett? Like, we need to know how Frank is playing to make these decisions. We need to give these young guys the most minutes possible. We need to fucking put Knox in and see what he can do no matter how bad he's playing. He can't get 13 minutes in a game. We need to play Robinson as many minutes as possible. We need to know what we have in these guys. That's what this year's fucking about. Not so next year we can go in unsure about all of them. We're almost a quarter of the way through the season. That's deep into the season. Absolutely. And And we we still don't know what we have in Knox and Frank. Yep. And it's not just about knowing what we have in them. It's about making them better. How do we make these guys better? How do we coach them through these situations? How do we give them enough minutes in the game, look at the film, point out what they're doing wrong, put them back in the game, and let them correct things that they've done wrong? Yeah, Fisdale needs to not only settle on a starting lineup and fucking rotations and minutes, he needs to settle on his plan. What's his plan for this team this year? He keeps saying lately it's not about the wins and losses. I know. It's cliche after cliche. What is it about? What is it fucking about this year, Barry? Fisdale, what's it about? Yeah, enough. They got to take their lumps. You know, we're going to try to win, but it's also, you know, we're going to get knocked down. And it's about how we get back up again. All right, enough. By the way, our, our guest, we were hoping to have a guest tonight. It's now 1123 in the evening. We had discussed the possibility of 11 p.m. And I think another time, Barry, we have been stood up. Would you say at this point that this guest is not coming on? I would say at this point this guest is not coming on tonight. Which is sad. I hate to end the show on a down note, but it is what it is, Barry. That's life. It is a hard next life. It is a hard next life. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the show today. Remember, you can reach out to us. It's a hard next life at gmail.com. Dude, you're not going to believe it. What? Our mystery guest is DMing me right now. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, no. Are you serious? I'm totally serious. Stop the fucking music. <laughs> What's happening right now? Are they ready to go now? I just got the phone number to call. For right now? For right now. Oh! Let's do it. Oh, no. This I don't want to do it. It's got too long, Barry. I thought I was going to go to bed soon. <laughs> well, this episode just got longer, didn't it? Uh, oh, all right. This is shit. a good thing, right? Yeah. This is a, it's good, a good thing. thing. I got the number. It says, yes, I can. I apologize. I was thinking you meant next Monday, but I can accept a call tonight. And I got the phone number. Oh, that's great. Oh, boy. I'm getting nervous. All right. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, I'll say great. Can I call you in two minutes? Because I'm like breathing very heavily right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man, I'm nervous now. Uh, this is very exciting, though. Guys, joining us on the phone right now, we are very excited to have our mystery guest for the evening, Alonzo Trier's mom. We have Marcy Trier on the phone. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Can we respectfully call you ISO mom? Sure. <laughs> Whatever pleases you. Okay, speaking of that, the nickname ISOZO, how did that come about? That pretty much evolved in his, in Alonzo's late adolescence, middle adolescence, because he, he always had a knack for scoring the ball, but he actually grew up as a point guard. So since he was six years old, six, seven years old, he actually was, you know, trained as a point guard. But he tended to like to take over games. And in order to win, because he had such a burning desire to win, he often had to score, you know, the last, you know, he had to kind of take over the game to win. And so he, that kind of contributed to developing his love for scoring. I would say, and some people would call him ISO though because he grew up very, he, you know, he put a lot of time into the gym. He's very skilled because he was always working on his craft. And so people would nickname him ISO though Probably because one of his favorite players was, was Kobe Bryant, you know, at the time when he was growing up. So he just thought he was attracted to that ISO though name and people called him that. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about draft night for you and Alonzo. That was a night that for someone with Alonzo's talent, we should be talking about it being one of the greatest nights of his life, right? The night when his lifelong dream of playing in the NBA, following one of his idols, like you said, Kobe Bryant, would come true. But we all know that's not exactly what went down. What was that night like for you and Alonzo? You know, it, it, it was a moment of disappointment, but it turned into a moment of motivation for him and sometimes you learn from some of your greatest disappointments in life because it tests you to see how much you want something and I think that's what what taught him it, it was a test of what is what is your true goal and that's how we kind of look back on draft night as that night went on did you did you know before that night even happened that alonzo might not get drafted or do you think there was still a chance he would get drafted in that first round i mean i i think we in in our minds believe he would be drafted but you know and in, in all honesty you know god has a plan for him and we don't really look back at it and, and try to contemplate and figure out what happens. It's not really important to us anymore. Well, is there any truth to some of the rumors that Alonzo wanted to play for the Knicks and was maybe telling some teams um, in that second round not to take him? Or Yes, we, we, he definitely had his mindset pre-draft that he wanted to play for the Knicks. That is absolutely true. Let's rewind a bit. March 19th, 2009, Alonzo was featured in a New York Times article about having such basketball prowess at such a young age. He was in just the sixth grade at the time, born in Seattle, Washington. When did you know that Alonzo was something special on the basketball court? I just know that he took a lot of pride in his work on the court. And I always told him if you want something in life, you have to give a thousand percent towards it. So whether you decide to be a doctor or you decide to be the greatest chess player there ever was, you have to 
sacrifice and put forth a thousand percent effort. So for him, as active as he was, trying to always be in the gym, I mean, every day we were in the gym, every day I would drink brownie for him. I just knew that when you put that type of effort towards something, good things are probably going to happen. Is it true that in the eighth grade, Alonzo was kicked off his team for being too good? Well, what had happened is that he he, won, he he started out playing varsity basketball as an eighth grader. And the school district determined after he played like half the season or had played several games, I think that amounted, I mean, it was a while ago, but then the, the coaches and the high school district ruled out that he was too young to play against varsity high school basketball teams. And so, in essence, um, I mean, he was in eighth grade playing against seniors, and they decided he was too young. So they just didn't want him technically to play, I guess. So it was a it was an age thing and not how well he was playing? Or was that an excuse? If you're an eighth grader and you're playing against mostly juniors and seniors, who would be threatened by an eighth grader unless you're winning, unless you're winning games? And we, we were doing fairly well. So it was, I think it was a convenient reason to not allow him to play. Do you think that's part of what has contributed to his confidence? I mean, he has this air about him that you can see even now as a rookie coming to this league with these veterans, established veterans, all this confidence that he has. Do you think it stems almost from something back like that where he was – you know, able to play against people that are supposed to be above his level, and yet he kind of, you know, showed that he can compete? I think that that, his competitive nature, that started much younger, like in the fourth and fifth grade. You know, he was going to five-star basketball camp in, in Pennsylvania at Robert Morris University. He was going to camps all over the country, and he would play up. So I definitely think that that started at an earlier age for him. By the time he was in eighth grade, you know, he, he had pretty much, that type of, his personality had developed a lot, I, I would say. So like you just mentioned, he was doing all this traveling. He was in that AAU world. And I assume he made connections and relationships um, that would otherwise be impossible. Did Alonzo have any mentors or NBA players who grew close to him when he was a young kid? Yeah, of course, he very much reveres to Kevin Durant, um, very much uh, reveres to the Seattle players, Brandon Rory, Jamal Crawford, Nate Robinson. Um, they are all, they were all highly influential for him, and uh, he just held a lot of respect for all of those guys. As he got older, you know, of course, he, you know, that, that was who he looked up to. Barry, did you hear that Kevin Durant? <laughs> I did. I did. That's nice to hear. <laughs> Who doesn't want to hear that? Is Alonzo bringing Kevin Durant to the Knicks next season? I no comment because that's not for me. <laughs> yeah. So there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. In 2015, Alonzo was a five-star recruit, ranked 19th by ESPN amongst prospects, committed to Arizona. Given his success to that point in that ranking, did you expect Alonzo to be uh, one of these one-and-done guys and enter the NBA draft? Uh, at a much earlier age than he ended up? I think in Alonzo's mind, he very much wanted to to go directly to the NBA because Alonzo, as you, you might be able to tell, his game is far more 
catered to the NBA. He, he has more of an NBA game than a college game. But I really wanted him to stay in college, for one, because he's three years into his education. And number two, I wanted him to really learn defense. And I felt that Coach Miller would really instill that defensive-mindedness in him that I felt would carry Alonso further in his career than if he just left as a freshman. Sometimes I explained to him, you know, and we had long talks about this because he was ready to go, that sometimes in life you have to sacrifice and wait a little bit longer and do things you don't want to do, you know, necessarily and put up more work and and just really strive for something before, you know, it's your time to go. And so, thank God he trusted me, he believed me, and I I really feel that it it really, you know, him waiting and being patient and and having that defense, you know, the training of defense. Because Sean Miller is so he, he's just so dedicated to his defense. I think that three years of that is going to carry along a lot farther than had he just impulsively left with only, you know, one season on his back. Even all the controversy at Arizona, right? The the injuries, suspensions, the school was under investigation. How much did that all of that help Alonzo grow up and mature like he has? I really feel that all the adversity that Doe has been through, it really made him stronger. Even if like I've always told him, even if it's, it seems unfair, it's like God has a way of just making things work out. And and I really feel like a lot of his success that he he's kind of gained early on, you know, it's not exactly where he wants to be. And, of course, he has, Alonzo has very lofty goals because he wants to be the very best that he can be for Alonzo. But I feel like why he's begun to be noticed so quickly you know, in contrast to, like, other players that, you know, start in the NBA as a rookie, his, first of all, his love and passion for the game and his dedication to the game, but also because he is unique, because he's gone through so much adversity and been tested so much that it's made him really resilient. It's made him realize more about who he is and being able to fight through even when it seems like life is unfair and and nothing's going your way. You still don't give up. You know, that's my biggest thing with him, that you, you never give up. You keep working towards your whatever your goals are. You don't give up. And that's exactly what he did. He didn't hang his head, feel sorry for himself, and, and then come into the league and pout. You know, instead he went to the gym. And he, he pretty much started out that way. Even as a youngster, you know, he didn't have a father that was in the gym with him every day. He didn't have that fatherly presence that a lot of young kids have. And it's a major advantage for them, you know, because their dads, they can go around and they can really help, you know, uh, spread that reputation and 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 give that kind of, uh, of advantage, he didn't have that, so he had to literally work for everything he got. It all had to come out on the basketball court. I've read that both you and Alonzo have obsessive tendencies. Would you say that he's using 
that to prove all the teams wrong that didn't draft him? I definitely believe that that is playing a significant part in in his him being able to be um, successful in what he's doing. Yes, he he is dedicated to his craft, and Alonso has again he, he sets high standards for himself, and he learned that at a very young age, like seven years of age. He, he he was always in the gym. What's it like seeing him now playing for the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden? I'm very happy for him because he's finally able to live out his dream. Um, the NBA is everything he ever wanted. Like he told me, this is the best job I've. This is just the best job in the world. And I know he truly means it. Like he, his love for the game is so enormous that. He's just happy, you know, and I kind of believe that him having to wait three years, um, it was good for him because it really, now it's like sometimes when you just give a kid exactly what they want right away, maybe they don't appreciate it, and I know that he really appreciates, like he's grateful to be where he is today, and most importantly, it wasn't given to him, he earned it. Have you had a favorite player moment this season from Alonzo thus far? Uh, my favorite player moment so far, mm, I think it would probably be um, when we won. Uh, it was the game that we, it was early on when I think we beat the Wizard, um, Washington Wizards. That was, I was very happy for him. And then I think when we played the Bulls, um, Alonzo grew up playing with Zach Levine. And watching those two out on the court going head-to-head, that was very meaningful to me because I remember going to their games and Zoe played up with Zach and they were just like, they had, they were only in like the, Zoe was in the fourth grade and Zach was in the sixth grade. And so, um, that meant a lot watching them play now, grown, because they both had these aspirations to be in the NBA and now look at them. I just want to share I was fortunate enough to be at opening night at the Garden the first regular season game and against the Hawks and in the third quarter when Zoe came through the lane between those two defenders and slam dunked it in front of everybody at the Garden it felt like the like Madison Square Garden literally lifted off the ground everybody was going crazy for your son it was it was such a moment for him and uh, and I mean I think it was if not before then, that was one of the moments that just drew all Knicks fans to him and, and really have gotten behind him, and, and you know he's become a lot of our favorite players. I think if I had been there, that probably would be my favorite moment. But unfortunately, I wasn't at the game, so I wasn't able to feel the momentum. But I definitely saw it, and I was incredibly happy and proud of him. I think it was his statement to not only the New York, but the world, that he has big plans for the Knicks. And Alonzo really wants to be with the Knicks, and he, he really embraces the fans and wants to be, you know, as big of a part of the Knicks as he can possibly be. Yeah, Justin, talking to Alonzo a tiny bit through social media, I can tell, Ms. Chur, that you, that you raised a great kid, a great man. Uh, I don't know, Barry, if you have any other questions, but we wish you and him a happy Thanksgiving and nothing but... The, the most success possible. I hope one day his jersey's hanging in the rafters at MSG. How, how would that sound to you? I, it would be a dream country for me. I, I really hope and pray that that happens. 
I just um, can't tell you how thankful we are that you're embracing Alonzo and that you guys recognize his passion because it, for me, it is really amazing, such an amazing feeling because we were in New York when he was in this, right before the sixth grade. And we had even thought about moving to New York. We loved it there just because it's a basketball community. And I think Alonzo's story really resonates with New York because it's kind of like that saying, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And that's Alonzo's story. Like, he has risen above so much, you know, with just me and him going to the YMCA every day and shooting hoops, literally fighting grown men for our court and just never giving up. Like, we just every day we had to be in the gym. And to be in New York then and to know that now you're playing in Madison Square Garden and just everything we could have dreamed of, it, it, it truly means so much to us. So every time I see a fan or you guys on the podcast talk about him, it's just it's such an amazing feeling, and we're so grateful to you all. Oh, we're more grateful to you guys. <laughs> right, Barry? Yep, that's right. Thank you so much um, for coming on. And again, you know, happy Thanksgiving. You're going you're gonna to be able to get uh, to meet up with Zoe for Thanksgiving? For Christmas, we plan to be there for total okay. free and play. So thank you both so very much. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Thank you, ISO Mom. Okay, take care. (laughs) Have a good night. There you have it, Barry. There you have it. ISO Mom. ISO Mom on the Hard Nick's Life Show. The Hard Nick's Life Show. That made my fucking Thanksgiving, Barry. How about you? Yep, absolutely. That was awesome. Dude, some of that stuff she said at the end was giving me chills. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. This is our second goodbye, but it was well worth it. That's right. Thanks for sticking through it. (laughs) Yes. We didn't know that was going to happen, and it happened. Axe is going to be up late tonight, Barry. I just referred to myself in the third person. (laughs) You did. You can reach out to us. It's a hardnickslife at gmail.com. Call us. 516-33-MESH-1. What are you thankful for? Let us know. I'm thankful for Ms. Trier and Alonzo. But really, Ms. Trier, for calling us. Thank you again to ISO Mom. And happy Thanksgiving to you, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's just end this thing on a high. I don't even want to ruin it with our BS at the end. (laughs) Right? No jokes. That was ISO Mom on the phone, Barry. ISO mom. Until next time. It's a hard Nick's life. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.